we get formally into our sermon, I want to lay out what we're doing today because we are taking a huge section of Scripture. Um, and normally I don't regularly do that, but this particular section is important and because when we get to the first part of Philippians chapter 2, usually any one of my one points could be a whole sermon by itself, but I'm not going to be up here for three hours. Um, Philippians chapter 2, the first part, when that gets preached by itself, it's a section about Jesus Christ. And the formal term is our Christology. And it tells us about the incarnation and, and the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Um, at some point, I probably will preach it that way, just that section. Uh, later on in Philippians chapter 2, 12 and 13, when we pull those verses just aside, it's very much a focus on individual spiritual growth, our sanctification. And I have preached that before. So that sermon, a copy of that sermon will be on the podcast if you want to go back and listen to it and go more in depth just on those two verses. But the thing is, when we take Philippians chapter 27, 127, all the way through 2.8 in context, it's all about the church. Even when we have the section that specifically talks about Jesus, it's just Jesus as illustrative of what the church should be. And so today, we're going to take this big section so we can see this is all about the church. And so some of these passages, if you've been in church for some time, you might expect us to go really deep. If we go really deep, we're actually getting off the context. So that's, that's how we're going to kind of approach today. And before we go to our good news story of the day in action news, let's begin with prayer. Lord, today we ask that you show us what you are calling us to be as the church. What you strengthen us to be as the church. What the future you have for us as the church is. Not just for our own benefit, but for the benefit of those who are not yet part of the church. So that your people may be full. And we ask this in your name. Amen. We are going, okay, so as we go through this series, every week we're going to have a good news story. And I've got another video for you. So let's go ahead and see this. This is in Singapore. This is a dash cam from a car, so there's no sound. As you can see, this elderly man is trying to get across this busy street. And that man is a delivery driver for DHL. He went and parked his delivery van and went and picked up. He First he tried to help him across the street, and then he finally just piggybacked him across the street. He said, his name is Anson Chung. And he said, I was on my way to a delivery when I saw the elderly man struggling across the road. The traffic light had already turned green, and cars were stopping for him. I just wanted to help him cross the road safely so he could get home safely. That's all that crossed my mind. So I stopped my van in a safe place and went to help him. He had problems walking, so I decided to piggyback him. The elderly man thanked Anson, who returned to his van only after making sure the man was safe and stable on his walking aid. He'd been a DHL express driver for 15 years, and he said, I'm only doing what is right. I didn't expect anybody to be looking at me. And on Friday evening, Anson was lauded by his employers at DHL um, at the uh, service center. 
That's good news. He did a good thing. And the good news, that's the gospel of salvation through faith in Jesus, always results in action. It results in change of individual lives, communities, and societies. The good news is true action news. And it's an action that as a church, we all get to do together. And we're going to see that as we're in Philippians chapter 1, starting in verse 27, and then going into chapter 2. The Apostle Paul writes, Just one thing, as citizens of heaven, live your life worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then whether I come and see you or am absent, I will hear about you, that you are standing firm in one spirit, in one accord, contending together for the faith of the gospel, not being frightened in any way by your opponents. This is a sign of destruction for them, but of your salvation. And this is from God. For it has been granted to you on Christ's behalf, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for him. Since you are engaged in the same struggle that you saw I had and now hear that I have. Going into chapter 2. Then there is, if there is any encouragement in Christ, if any consolation of love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, make my joy complete by thinking the same way, having the same love united in spirit, intent on one purpose. Our first point for following along is that the church has a common purpose. The church has a common purpose. Paul wants the church to live a life worthy of the gospel, worthy of the good news of Jesus Christ. And he says we should do that whether Paul, you know, remember Paul's in prison here and he hopes he gets to go see him again, but he says he might die before he gets to see him. But he says whether I get to come and see you again or not, there are certain characteristics that this church should have to have this worthy life, to have this life worthy of the gospel. And he says, first, they need to stand firm in one spirit. That is the word that's typically used for the Holy Spirit. That He's saying the church needs to be in alignment with what God wants them to do. Not just be in unity with what we want to do, but be in unity with what God wants. Secondly, he says, in one accord. That's the word that we kind of have our root word for our, our psyche. It's like our mental alignment. He says, we not only as a church need to be in alignment with God, but mentally we need to be in alignment with each other. It's not that we all think the same things or think the same way, but we're all on the same page. He says, we contend together for the faith of the gospel. That is, for the purpose of we work or labor together to bring the good news of salvation to the lives of other people. We're in alignment with God. Our thinking's aligned on the same page and we're all doing the same thing. Trying to give the gospel to people. And also not frightened in any way by our opponents. We do this work not with fear but with courage. Everybody's bold. Because there is actually opposition to living this worthy life. And he gives us a real clear picture of why some people oppose the gospel. He says, because for someone outside of faith, it's a sign of their destruction. The good news is only good news if you receive it. Otherwise, it's bad news. 
And people don't like to hear that, that God will actually judge. So he says, people will oppose the good news. He says, but for us, when we do receive it, for anybody who does receive it, it's no longer a sign of destruction, but it's a sign of salvation and it's a sign from God. It's a good thing. The good news is actually good when we accept it. But the worthy life is not easy. He says, there's a challenge in the worthy life. Paul tells the church that if I believe in Christ, then I will also suffer for Christ, just as he was currently suffering for Christ. It's not always easy, but we all do it together. And then Paul ends with this hope for the worthy life. And he says, you know what, if the church has any, even just a little bit of Christ in it. Now the church should have a lot of Christ in it. But he says, even if the church just had a little bit of Christ. If the church just got a little bit of encouragement from Jesus. If the church just has a little bit of love from God. If the church just has a touch of the Holy Spirit. If the church has any affection for each other just a little bit then we should be able to live this worthy life and the thing is he's saying this knowing that the church doesn't have just a little bit of any of those things we have a lot he says if we have a little bit of christ a little bit of encouragement a little bit of love a little bit of the holy spirit then we should be able to be of the same mind that's be in agreement on our thought out plan we should have the same love that God has for us. We should be united in our spirit. And again, he's talking about our, our psyche there. He it says it's the word there is is echo psyche. It's like what I think in my mind echoes in your mind. And we should all be intent on the same purpose. That's we have the same plan, and this is a similar word to being of the same mind that he said earlier, but it's also we have the same goal. And that made me think of a fire truck squad. There are different people that are on the fire truck squad. They all have the same plan. They all have the same goal to put out fires and save lives. Do they all do the exact same thing? No. There's a lot of different parts to a fire fire squad. But they all have the same purpose, plan, goal, and so they get the fires out and they save lives. And Paul's saying that's what the church should function like, only we're not powered by water or fire suppression. We are powered by the gospel of Christ, by the power of the Holy Spirit, by the love of God. See, we're one church as an organism, not like, we're not supposed to be split-brained across purposes organization. See, we may not all be doing the exact same thing, but we all need to be working together in love on the same big picture plan towards the same goal. I don't have to do the exact same ministry as Glinda. Not supposed to. But we should all be on the same page heading for the same goal. I don't have to do the same thing as Steve or Phyllis or anybody else. But same page, same goal.
Paul talks about this in 1 Corinthians 12, saying there's one body, but there's many parts. Now think about this, for our physical bodies. When one part of our body or one part of our mind is not doing what the rest of the body wants to do, we might call that a twitch. We might call that paralysis. If it's in the brain, we might call it a seizure. Or we might even call it cancer. All the parts working together, same plan, same goal. And we have one purpose. To reach people with the good news of salvation through faith in Jesus. And for people to grow in that faith. It doesn't matter what your church congregation is. If we are a Christian church, that's what it's about. That's what the music is about. That's what the teaching is about. That's what the outreach is about. That's what the baby wipe drive and and sippy cup drive is about. It's all about reaching people with the good news of salvation of Jesus Christ and for people who already believe to grow in the faith. It's why we say Heartwood Church is about life and strength giving life to people who don't have life, strengthening those who do, is one way of putting it. So the church works together in the gospel. And then Paul goes on to tell us how we can do that. And that's Philippians 2, starting in verse 3. He says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility consider others as more important than yourselves. Everyone should look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. Adopt the same attitude as that of Christ Jesus, who, existing in the form of God, did not consider equality with God as something to be exploited. Instead, he emptied himself by assuming the form of a servant, taking on the likeness of humanity. And when he had come as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even to death on a cross. For this reason, God highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. So the church, he's saying here, the church should also have a common posture, and that posture is humility. Saying humility is how we accomplish that oneness that we're supposed to have. He says, first, I do nothing out of my own selfish ambition or conceit. As a member of the church, I just don't think about or do things that are good for me. But instead, consider one another that is First, each other that is in the church is more important than me. And that's not just me as the pastor. In fact, remember when we started Philippians, he he says he's writing this to the whole church. Oh yeah, and you leaders too. So it's for all of us. I think of other people in the church above myself. But then he also says, look out not only for my own interests, but also for the interests of others. This is externally outside the church. Individually, 
we think of each other higher than ourselves. And then as a church, we think of everybody who's not yet part of the church as more as their interests are perhaps more important than ours. Or at least as important. I was talking with a uh, I, I, one of my former seminary professors. He came to visit me this week, and he gave us he gave us kind of a free consult on where our building is at right now. He really liked. He didn't know where we had come from, and he still thought we were super good. And um, he went out. We went out back, and he was wondering how much property we had. And I said, there is a site plan for another building. We have enough space. And I said, but were we to build another building, I said, one of the things we need to do is go to the city and say, what does the community need? Not just what do we need. And he says, yeah, that's exactly how a church is supposed to be. Not just thinking about our own interests, but thinking about everybody else's interests as well. And then he gives us Jesus Christ as the prime example of how to live out this humble posture. He says, Jesus Christ as God didn't have to be humble. Everything is from God. Everything is for God. Jesus could think about himself. But he didn't. As Jesus, God chose to look out for our interest. He chose to look out for my interest instead of his own. He became a human. He obeyed the law. And he was obedient to the death on a cross. And by Jesus' humble actions, people will come to know God. And that's the example for the church. By our humble actions toward each other, and by our humble posture towards those who are not yet in the faith, people should come to know God. Now, when I was looking for that video of the DHL delivery driver, something interesting popped up. So I typed in, you know, DHL driver carrying man across the street. And multiple videos came up, not just of him. There were several videos of people in China and Singapore and, and, and Asian countries where younger people were carrying older people across the street. And I realized this is a cultural attitude, not just an individual attitude that that one man had. And that is what he's, in some ways, what he's saying the church should be. The attitude, the hum- humble attitude, is not just the attitude of the one man, Jesus. That should be the culture of the whole church. When someone types up a Google search that says, church is doing good in the community, they shouldn't just find one church. They soon just find one Christian. See, it's the humble church that grows through the spreading of the gospel. And we have to remember, humble doesn't mean putting ourselves down. It doesn't, humble doesn't mean that we can't let people know the good things 
that a congregation does, the excellent things that we may have, it doesn't mean that we're not good people and that we can't let people know that good things happen here. Humility in this context means I'm not a self-interested person. And again, I say that not just as a pastor, but as a member. It means this congregation is not a self-interested organization. And that's what people should see. And that's how the church works together in the gospel. And then our last bit here, Philippians 2, 12 through 18. Therefore, my dear friends, just as you have always obeyed, so now, not only in my presence, but even more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who is working in you both to will and to work according to his good purpose. Do everything without grumbling and arguing, so that you may be blameless and pure, children of God who are faultless in a crooked and perverted generation, among whom you shine like stars in the world, by holding firm to the word of life. Then I can boast in the day of Christ that I didn't run or labor for nothing, But even if I am poured out as a drink offering on the sacrificial service of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you. In the same way, you should also be glad and rejoice with me. Last thing we see, the church has a common productivity. It says, by obedience to the gospel, they, the church, should work through their salvation to its completeness. And we should do so with the seriousness that the work deserves. He says, we do that whether Paul is there to teach them or not. Because even if they don't have Paul to teach them, he says, God is also working in the church to bring them toward his good purpose. He says, the humble church can work without grumbling and arguing. The humble church can work blamelessly and pure. The humble church can work faultlessly when everyone else in the world might be crooked and perverted. And the humble church can hold firm to the word of life. Paul desires this for the church in Philippi because he says, even if I die, I'll know that the work I did in helping establish your church wouldn't have been for nothing. Because the gospel is going to keep going. One humble purpose. It reminded me of you know this year uh, with my daughter. Sophia is very smart. She does very well in school. And we went to parent conferences, and her grades weren't as high in in Spanish. And so we were talking with her teacher. And we said, okay, why is her grade not as good in Spanish? And she says, she hasn't turned in all her homework. And I said, wait a minute. We haven't seen any homework. And the teacher, and this is not her fault. The teacher says, oh, we do it in class. And I said, well, that would be classwork, right? I said, and I don't know if she doesn't do all the classwork if you don't tell me. Would you please, you know, just shoot me an email to let me know if she's turned in her work or if she hasn't turned in her work. Because the teacher had thought, 
that because I don't speak Spanish, that I couldn't help her with her Spanish. I said, I don't have to know Spanish to make sure she turns in her work. I said, let's all get on the same page and have the same purpose. It's not about me being bossy or you being smarter. It's all about having my daughter learn Spanish, right? And so we all got on the same page. And I talked to her teacher just a week ago, and she was like so impressed with her improvement. She said, I don't even have to look at the book. I already know what grade I'm going to give her, and it's good. But that could have gone bad if I had been belligerent. What do you mean? I know my daughter's smart. My daughter always turns in all her work. Humble, working together, gets things done. You know, outsider, people outside the church need to be able to look at a church and say, I don't know how all you different people get along and are able to do so much good. To do so much good to each other and to do so much good in the community. And you guys aren't crooked either. That's how people should look at a church. I don't know if anybody here works for 3M. 3M, and I'm not down on 3M, I'm just using them as an example. They do a lot of good in the community. 3M provides jobs. 3M has good products. We use some of them here. 3M encourages their employees to do volunteerism in the community. They give back money to the community. 3M is a good company. They also had to do a big payout for contaminating our water. That's not how people should look at the church. So when the church has to make some restitution for abuse or something else, that's not walking blamelessly and pure despite the good we do. But it is why we partner with local businesses and other organizations that do good. But ultimately, the partnership we're counting on is our partnership with God. And that being said, let's not remember, or let's not forget, I should say. We should always remember that prayer is an important work of spreading the gospel. I can give a tote full of sippy cups to people at Tubman, and they will appreciate that. But how much more would it affect them if I had been praying for the Holy Spirit to be working in their lives before I ever showed up? We pray for the people at First Care Pregnancy Center that as they receive the baby wipes. Churches grow through being humble, and the most humble thing we can do is pray and ask God to work. And that's how the church works together in the gospel. Humbly, we ask God for life. 
humbly we bring strength to each other in our community and be the heartwood in this area. Let's pray. God, be gracious to us and bless us and make your face shine upon us so that your way may be known on the earth and that your salvation can go to this whole community so that all people will praise you so that all people will know that you are God and that all people will be able to rejoice and shout for joy. Lord, today, give us that posture of humility as we serve one another and as we serve our community. We pray for those, for that. I pray for that one person that I am, that doesn't know you, that I'm doing life with. Each one of you, just take a moment and pray for that person and silently to yourself that you are doing life with. We pray that your Holy Spirit work on these people so that as we do good to them, as they see us doing good to the community and to each other, that their hearts will be stirred. And when they say why, we can say it's because Christ served us. We thank you for Jesus not only being our example, but for being our way. For Jesus who sent the Holy Spirit to be our power, and for the Father who gave us a plan. Let us walk together in it. And we ask this in your name. Amen. Will you stand as we sing?